This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why don't ants get sick? Because of their little antibodies. (laughs) (laughs) Very current. I like it. Exactly, yeah. I've been reading a lot about antibodies recently and I was like, that reminds me of a joke I read, just to clarify that wasn't one I wrote myself. <laughs> one day. Yeah, I thought that was quite good. You know, I like it. Short, sharp, punchy, and current. That's what people call me as well. <laughs> <laughs> You've <laughs> never <laughs> been current in your life. <laughs> yeah, true. It gets it gets less true the further into that statement you get. That explanation. <laughs> uh, might make that my Twitter bio. Short, sharp, punchy, and current. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm not really sharp either. Not sharply dressed, usually. No, but you've got a sharp mind. True. It's falling apart quickly, this, isn't it? This description. Yeah. All right, well, let's rush forward with your score. Yes, please do. Seven. Oh, okay, that's good. I was I, I really wasn't sure if we get a seven. Nice. That's I good. think, uh, sorry about the train. <laughs> and the Barreto train liked it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have given it a good score because I think that would be one I would nick and try and choose myself. Yeah, that's good. That's that's actually a good way of like measuring these things. Is if you would in a party be like, "Here's a joke that I know and only I know," and because that's usually what I do. <laughs> so, you know, I think that you do that with the good jokes. So. That's also no, I'll take seven because it was short, sharp, punching current. That's why you want to steal it as well, isn't it? Because you can remember it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was trying to remember the order of that now. But uh, <laughs> I got I halfway be, through I... and I was like, "Ah, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! What a start! This has been one of the better starts to an episode, I think." It's all downhill from here. Welcome to the Pad Talk, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. Now, I have a story actually for you all very quickly about our intro music that you've just heard. Uh, chatting away to my editor boss at Racer a couple of weeks ago, uh, who said he was um, so bored one evening that he learned how to play the bass line from that intro. Wow. Um, wow. Just, just because he could, chips and giggles. So Mark Glendening, nice work. I'm going to have to get him to record it, but he hasn't done a recording yet. Well, when we do a live session, we'll get, we'll get Mark on and he can... He can play. He can play us in literally with with the bass. That'd be great. Yeah, that shows you, that shows you how bored people are in lockdown as well. <laughs> yeah. People are literally learning bass lines and stuff like that. And he's out in Arizona, where I don't think he's in full lockdown or anything. But he's got a oh. young family, so they're being sensible. And he's like, "Yeah, I need something to do." Clearly, like we're not working hard enough at Racer. But uh, <laughs> I joke, Mark. You work very hard. Please don't fire me. 
next week that intro is going to have to change because you're just going to be like, and I'm Chris Medland. <laughs> that's when you'll know yeah. yeah that's right it's many jobs meddling so he'll just pick another job that he works for that's true i need more give me more <laughs> still trying to find out how many jobs exist for this year like it's all it's all tbc like oh no i don't we can't have chris meddling tbc it's a uh, thought, I, think, I think i think i will still exist me personally but whether my jobs exist and i'm working that much we'll see they're all they're but all to be do. to be chris medland did chris <laughs> medland did oh again funnier in my head <laughs> could have Smooth. said it better yeah but ah what a lot of fun it's worth saying out loud mate always yeah i think so yeah they never sound the same do they you know in your head you're like this is gonna absolutely slay the room and then you say it and it doesn't <laughs> actually well while we're talking about funny things that Nate has said, Nate has actually been doing something quite useful that I listened to the other day. He's been writing, uh, writing script writing. Um, if you haven't heard uh, it yet, I'd recommend it. Nate, do you want to tell them about it? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Lars. I appreciate the the cue to plug something. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a podcast called Death of a Sports Star, and I wrote an episode on Dale Earnhardt, who and it's actually the twenty year anniversary this month uh, of his of his death at Daytona, but it's just the story of his life death and kind of what why he meant what he meant to people and um in doing it I, I researched quite a lot about him and actually basically became a massive fan of Dale Earnhardt in the process I knew a lot about him wasn't I, I don't know about you guys but I've never followed NASCAR that closely you know just in the UK I knew enough about it I knew obviously who Dale Earnhardt was I know who Dale Earnhardt Jr was kind of knew Jimmy Johnson a little bit um but yeah just reading about the, the guy he was and the way he raced it's, it's pretty obvious why he was such a big deal so very cool and um it's funny because i wrote it and i'm I, you know i love listening to american sports documentaries so i kind of wrote it with james l jones's voice in my head it's not narrated by me it's narrated um by somebody else so I, I wrote it with an american accent in my head with an american voice like kind of sam elliott or james l jones uh, james l jones reading it um obviously not thinking i'd get them but that's just who i think of and it's written by it's it's read by um, an English guy called Tom Price who does a fantastic job with it. But it's just very different to how I pictured it in my head. So it was um it was it was weird to to hear it like that. But it's cool hearing NASCAR talked about, you know, in an English accent because usually you hear it talked about by American guys. So yeah, it was it was cool. So if people want to check it out, it's about twenty five minutes. Um, and uh, you know you can there's lots of things you can do for twenty five minutes while you listen to the story of Dale. And they've got a load of great episodes. They've got one on Senna for. Um, people who want to keep it in motor racing, but there's a bunch of sports stars with kind of, you know, a lot of them sad stories. Some of them are pretty incredible stories. Um, so yeah, go check it out. That's a long plug. Sorry, I, I didn't realize how long I was going to plug that. Well, not only that, that's now our whole episode has become a plug for another podcast. Yeah, and it's you, know, you can, so you can cut that down. The point. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I, next next week we'll plug something else that someone else has done, and it can take however long three minutes. I won't talk eventually, for a bit now. Eventually, there'll be no one listening to us because they'll all be listening to the things we've plugged. Yeah, just become plug, but yeah, it become the plug hawk. Ah, the look on his face, listeners, was an absolute picture. And the little points, he's like, "I did a funny." Everybody get it? Yeah, we got it. But, um, <laughs> Sadly, we got anyway. It. Good to see you branching out to American racing, mm. like someone today. There's a segue. Nice. Um, but Roman Grosjean getting himself an IndyCar ride. Uh, yeah, which is which, which is pretty mega. Yeah. Well done, Roman. I just can't believe he's kind of back in a way. Like you um, talking about it the other day, but what he went through, like that moment that that crash happened, absolutely no way did you even think the guy was going to survive, <laughs> let alone that 
a few months later, he's going to, what's that, six weeks later or something like that, they'd be announcing yeah. what he's doing this year and racing an IndyCar. When, and like, you know, even at the time, he was like, I want to race next week, you know, for mm. the following Bahrain race, which I was just like, he's obviously just saying that. But clearly he was just like, well, I want to get back in the car. And that's probably where they're wired differently. Because if that happened to me, I'd be like, look, you know what? I might just, <laughs> I might sit this one out for a few months at least, just, you know, take stock. But yeah, it's really cool to see him back. I guess in a weird way as well, you must feel indestructible to go through that and then yeah. to be okay as such and be able to go and do it again. Like that, there must be part of you that goes like as terrifying as it was and probably made him think twice. He's also going like, but it's so safe that I survived even that. So maybe that gives you confidence to jump in another one. I do wonder if that's what's made him definitely go for the IndyCar gig and if it ends up being full-time and to include the ovals. Because I remember talking to him last year and he didn't want to do the ovals he wanted mm -hmm. to skip those or those be the bits that terrified him so maybe like you were saying Meadows he's kind of got this newfound confidence maybe or feeling of immortality to an extent that he isn't so afraid anymore yeah I guess like maybe in the future if he if he gets convinced by like getting over there this year and trying out the road and street courses and goes actually this isn't so bad um and he he made the point himself he's he's 35 um, or will be he's 34 now he'll be 35 by the time the season starts I think his birthday's on the like Saturday of the first race and um, he said that, that he's a rookie though at 35 it sounds really weird and strange but then Jimmy Johnson's doing it for the first time this year and he's a rookie at 45 so that makes him feel like oh, I've got a decade of doing this yeah. so genuinely as much as we look at it as like someone towards the end of their F1 career like we've got Alonso coming back he's going to be in his 40s Kimmy's still racing um, there's a lot of drivers that can go well into their 40s now and I think you can start a new one and still have plenty of time ahead so yeah maybe he'll kind of ease back into it but um, yeah good Indi on it the IndyCar field this year looks great like like you say Jimmy Johnson a lot of lot of cool names there where you're like this is, this is pretty mega like a yes. lot of young guys but also like like a nice mix of the older guys as well yeah Scott McLaughlin's gone in as well from um, yeah, yeah. Australia from supercars so like that's a really cool switch as well because he was dominating over there and it, that looks like a really cool one uh, poor K Max probably just sat doing him being like, why yada? Yeah, yeah. He was he was close to it, I think. But uh, he's I guess he's made a move that's closer to doing it in the future anyway, being part of Ganassi and being over in the US. So um tough for him this week. This is very typical of us. Look at us actually re reviewing things, but like <laughs> seven minutes to go of the 24 hour race, and they were like a couple of tenths off the lead. It was a mega Daytona this year. Uh, you had like four or five cards that looked set to scrap it out in the final hour. They'd all stay on the lead lap and were running around within a few seconds of each other. And it was really cool. And when you see what their fastest lap time was, you know, you know, they weren't cruising the whole way by any stretch, like they're pushing, but um, yeah, it looked like a, a really it had fallen to a two car race in the final 15 minutes. And it was van der Zander in, um, in the Ganassi car for that Magnussen was part of who was second and looking pretty, pretty strong. Um, and then, yeah, they got a puncture with seven minutes to go and that just ruined it. So, so close to a, a Rolex 24 win and a brand new watch on the K-Mag's debut, but he'll have to wait. Part of me likes it when that happens in the sense of not the heartbreak part, that's a bit harsh, but like when like, <laughs> Alonso didn't win Indy at the first attempt and he didn't, obviously, you know, he did well at Daytona, but was in LMP2, so didn't, didn't get even close to winning that because he had a car problem, but where to go and find out about it and perform well but realize yes yeah, it's, it's not easy to just rock up and win um a lot of other things have to go right for you even if you're a brilliant driver to get it so i quite like it that they then have to go and earn it so mm, i'm sure yeah, he'll be back next year to do it but yeah that's cool that had chase elliott in it as well our friend lawrence edmonton's favorite nascar driver talking about nascar 
Um, Alex Rossi was in the winning car, F1 Link. There's, there's, there's some really cool names elsewhere. I don't know if this is just us getting older and kind of having <laughs> been around the sport a bit longer, so then you recognise names that you've worked with who go and do other categories, or if it's just a few more that are moving around at the moment. But I think it's quite cool seeing F1 drivers going and doing other, other things. The thing as well, you've got, you've got the situation where F1, you've had one guy winning at the front you know, for that long. And you've had really two teams, three teams that can win a race or get on the podium. Bar, you know, last year, there were a few exceptions. So I think a lot more guys like Magnussen, like Grosjean. I know Grosjean was at a different point in his career, but Magnussen definitely, he was really at peace with it when he left F1. He was like, look, I was never going to win here unless I got a good move. And I was sick of turning up and just being like, oh, if I can get like into Q2, that'll be a great weekend. You know, he's clearly someone who likes going for that win like at, at Daytona. So I think we might get more of that as guys. Like, I think if Perez hadn't got that Red Bull drive, I wonder whether he would have stayed in F1 and been like, do I really want to just be a guy in the midfield or do I want to go somewhere where I can win races and championships? Because um, he, he was saying, wasn't he? He was like, I'll take a sabbatical. And the, it, the inference was, I'll take a sabbatical and then see if there's a, a top seat available for me the next season. And if not, I'll go elsewhere. So that might be quite a good like byproduct of F1 being like it is. I don't know. Because Rossi was the same, obviously. The door shut on him. He went over to America and he's been he's obviously been massively successful since he's done that. Um, so it's pretty cool. I like it. It's it's nice that there's not just one place for people to go and be successful or not be successful, and then just disappear. There's all these other places that people get interested in. Yeah, big time. Big time. I was just trying to look for a quote from Grosjean that was quite funny. Like as you said that, um, where he basically says, he, "I know the word he used. I'm just trying to find the direct quote. I've got it in front of me. He did it. He was on the Marshall Pruitt podcast this week talking about his IndyCar move. And anyway." I, I'll try and find the exact quote because I can't find it right now. But he basically calls the Haas a tractor, um, <laughs> and he's not—he's not quite trying to be like that detrimental to Haas. But he's making the point that some people just look at drivers um, in Formula One and go, "Oh, well, you're you're rubbish. You're at the back." You're, here we go. Um, da, 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 he said because of what Magnussen did and how well he w- was doing at Daytona and how quick he was, and then um, he said people that are not in our world don't quite understand how much a car does in Formula One. They just go and say, oh, you're not very good. You're fighting at the back. Well, give me the same tool as the others and you'll see. And that's something that Kevin and I both really want to do. And then he says, um, like, I get IndyCar's not as quick as F1, but it is something that um, you have a chance to win races again. And he says to fight, to have good racing and not to be lapped after 10 laps just because your car is a tractor. <laughs> so, um, I mean, yeah, it's a... It's a fair point. I think that kind of rate, I'm impressed with that racing spirit that sometimes comes out where drivers are like, screw this. It's time that I actually got back because they get so used to, in every other category, I guess, if you're good, you're winning, you're at the front and then you get to F1 and suddenly if you're pinned at the back, not to slate our own category, but I can see where it must get frustrating and there's a a point you want to go and do something else. But Who do you guys think would be good to see do something else? I've always thought um, I'd love to see Vettel taking on IndyCar. I know he's, he's kind of said he doesn't want to do it, but either IndyCar or, or WEC, you know, whatever WEC looks like in the future. I just think someone who respects the history of, of, of racing as much as he does, I think he'd take it really seriously and I think he'd really, you know, he'd really buy into it all. Mm. Um, but also he's very similar in that I think his reputation has obviously taken a bit of a battering in F1 over the past couple of years. And it'd be nice to see him go and do, I know he's racing with Aston Martin, but um, I don't know, it just feels like maybe he needs a change of scenery to, to kind of go and be the old Vettel that we used to know. I'm not, I'm not convinced he'll be any better at Aston Martin than he was at Ferrari, say. Um, but that's always one I've always thought. I'd love to see him do something else. Because also, if he goes and wins somewhere else, you can say, well, look, you know, he was a four-time world champion in a dominant car. 
uh, and that's always what people held against him. If he goes and wins in WEC or in IndyCar, you can say, well, obviously he was an incredibly talented driver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd like to see that one. Um, I mean, because we've seen Alonso go off and try um, WEC and Indy and Dakar. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would be good if we could see other drivers in Formula 1 on his same level try and do the same over a period of time. Because we're always trying to talk about who's the greatest ever. And so I mm-hmm. guess that would be a help to try and make that argument if you could then compare and see what Sebastian does when he goes and competes, say, if he were to do that in, in Dakar, in the Dakar or, or, or World Endurance. Um, I would like to see um, more drivers do rallying because I loved yeah, it same. when Kimi went and did a couple of years away from Formula 1. Um, not only did that kind of give him like a new lease of life when he came back to Formula One, and I'm not saying that's what everyone else should do, but I just think that it, it was just really cool. I remember having massive fever when he did that. Yeah, I, I think I'd love to see Lewis do rallying actually, because there's some of these drivers you can tell would be good. Like they'd probably get a bit of a culture shock maybe compared, you know, because they've been in F1 so long, but they went to IndyCar and just the way you have to set up a car and stuff. But you know, in a single seater, they're going to be good, especially on street and road courses so like lewis or max i think would jump in there and, and do really well but you want to see them in something that they could do really well but maybe they wouldn't you're just not sure but i think lewis in a rally car would be really interesting um and just because it's so different like you say to get to get them out of their comfort zone is uh, a really cool thing to see and put them in a different one i'd rather i think i'd rather see more drivers go and do something like nascar as well rather than indycar like indycar's the realistic one if, if they're going to, and it'd be fun, but it'd just be so weird and cool. Cause obviously Kimmy did that as well. And I interviewed him about it at the end of last year, actually um, going to use that soon, but he talked about his like NASCAR time and how basically the money dried up from someone who was meant to be helping pay them for a couple of seats and that he really enjoyed it. He liked the crew he had there and it was, it was hard, but fun. Um, and yeah, I think that'd be quite cool to see something, you know, still racing, but very different. Be cool if he goes back to do that whenever he finishes F1. Cause I feel like he, he came back because the F1 opportunity was there, but maybe he'd still have been doing it and would have got better at it if it had money, if it had the seat. One as well that Danny Ricks talked about is doing Bathurst at some point in, in Australia, which would be awesome. Um, again, not like IndyCar, it's a very different kind of discipline. Um, but that'd be very cool. I just want to check. I don't know if it's my internet connection. Did you call it Bathurst rather than Bathurst? That- Bath, I said Bathurst. Oh, oh. damn. That was funny. I don't said well, like I thought you said Bathurst as well. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think I think you, the internet glitched at the wrong time, but I am leaving that in there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I said Bathurst, but um well, maybe I didn't. I mean, we'll listen back to it. I might have said that, but you both did look at me and I was like, have I said something wrong? Have I said something weird? Oh, it um, just sounded so funny. Um that nice. would be cool, to be fair. That'd be really cool. Uh, there's a lot of drivers on the grid, isn't there, at the moment that kind of you feel like could go and do something else as well. Like they might be interested in it. I don't know if it's that sim racing opens it up more or if it's just because things like Alonso going to do it showed that it's realistic. But um, yeah, I feel like it's even some of the younger guys, like seeing like Norris doing all the different sim racing events and even the way Russell and Albon were messing around and Leclerc, that you, you can see them trying something different at some point in their careers if they're allowed to. I've always thought the race of champions really missed a trick with um, that kind of championship because it was cool to put them in different cars. But the way that would be better is if you get all those guys and then you get F1, NASCAR, Indy, Formula E, whatever, to give you like a stock version of their car. And you're like, right, the, there's going to be four races now. One of them is we put the, all, all you guys in a race with like a Formula One car provided to us by, I don't know, Mercedes, or let's say 
just for argument's sake. Then you're racing a NASCAR, you know, and it could, you know, different configurations of a track. It could be good fun. Like it would just be different. And it would be, you'd, you'd at least get to kind of get a taste of them in different uh, machinery rather than the car they, they do race, which is still fun on that little circuit. But I always felt like it was a waste of that opportunity that they were kind of racing what they were racing um, rather than like, you know, actual current machinery. Yeah. I've just thought of someone actually to, we talk about the rallying crossover that'd be cool to see. What about Carlos? Following his mm. following his old man and doing a bit of rallying, like it, it was like Ocon did the um those stages on in the Alpine, didn't he, of the Monte Rally, just like you know, basically was the lead car to check out the stage, but obviously isn't properly part of it. But I'd love to see one of those as well. Be when it's off season, be properly part of it. Why not go and go and have a go? I know the the kind of people bring up the Kibitz, for example, was why it's risky for drivers to go and do some of these events, but um there's also freak incidents that are going to happen whether it's there or whether it's just training at home or when you're driving an f1 car whatever like anything can happen at any time and i just think it makes them better all-rounders and is good for motorsport in general kind of like boosts its interest and popularity i think there'd be real good uptake in it as well so like ocon was obviously buzzing after he did just two stages in alpine they were just super special stages and he obviously wasn't pushing it that hard and he was still super excited and i think that if we could create a situation like you were talking nate where if, even if it's not race of champions you just provide an option to do it everyone would want to do it like who wouldn't what driver would say no to like a day out where you get to test all those cars like sponsorship commitments aside and you know the, the issues with not being able to drive certain cars because of the association that you had but i'm pretty sure you'd you'd get massive uptake because they just all want to see if they're better than everyone else that's fundamentally what they want to know isn't it if they're the best and that would be the great a great opportunity to do that yeah, I totally agree. It would be really cool. It's just, like you said, sponsorship and stuff. There's always stuff that gets in the way, but it just it does feel like more has kind of eased recently that in the last, I don't know, five years or so, where sponsors have found ways of accepting that it's still good coverage they can get if a driver that they back is racing in another category or whatever. Um, obviously, certain things you can't do, but some, it, it looks like it works. So, Well, you've got, you got Albon driving a Ferrari. That's yeah. Alpha red bull back like that's just unheard of that red bull and ferrari the brand those brands at least would be working mm. together five years ago you'd say that would never happen and and here we are because it works for both of them yeah it's you like you you're right never say never yeah and i think in that sense like people don't look at a ferrari sport of 488 um in the dtm and go you know there's a red bull driver in there and be like oh well then a, a ferrari is better than a red bull in formula one clearly like they they do see the difference like sometimes people say people are idiots and us three are a good example of that but um on the whole i think people can tell the difference between certain things where you don't compare so um yeah it does it does look like if it if it works for all it should be done more just a quick aside actually you mentioned esteban and having fun on um doing the monty rally i raced him last night on gran turismo sport did you beat him i god no he's so so quick um so just you or there was a there was a like a, a party little, a little group of us yeah we were doing um so me edmondson luke um pob who else is on it mike seymour um there's this little group of us that just do a bit of online racing every now and then and we hadn't actually grouped together to play in ages we normally just do the daily races anyone who's uh played grand tourism sport you'll know what i'm on about if you haven't go make a cup of tea um but they have like these three races um per week and you, they're all you know set rules and you just enter and you go into a lobby with randoms and see how you get on and it's all really fun and quite addictive so we normally are doing that and just trying to beat each other's kind of like one lap times in the qualifying session and then yesterday day before someone said like oh we should 
actually trying to arrange something like the group, all of us together. And um, James Lloyd, the Alpine press officer had messaged us being like, does anyone play this? Like, I want to get involved if you do. So we added him to our group and said, yeah, let's have a go tonight at seven and just started doing a few races. And then at one point I was about to start another one. He's like, oh, I've got a mate who might join if that's all right. Um, he's quite quick. And we're like, oh, hmm. if, if they have to, but you know, don't ruin it for us. We're having some fun. Um, and just to out Lloyd, he was struggling a little bit on most circuits, but he'll be there. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and he wouldn't say who it was. And then, because I had set the room up, he sort of messaged me privately and was like, this is the name you need to add. And it was Esteban. So everyone was ready to start this race. And Ocon just suddenly shows up. And the worst thing was, we had it on reverse grids. And because he hadn't been involved, it put him on pole. Because he hadn't like done the last race. So he was given pole position at the Red Bull Ring of all places. Um, and he just disappeared into the distance and then we just slow down to mess around with everyone. But um, to give them a plug, the final race we did, we did with Alpines, with the is it A110, and they're really hard to handle on that game. But we did it with those at this little Japanese circuit and uh, James and Esteban got into the lead and worked some team orders and held everyone off and, and had an Alpine 1-2 for the two Alpine employees. So um, at that point, they just dropped the mic and walked out. <laughs> So it was a whole it was a whole marketing exercise for Alpine. It wasn't even yeah. it wasn't even a friendly game. They're like, right, we'll get the one two and we'll leave. <laughs> yeah. And they knew. They knew I'd mention it on here and a good three or four people would hear it and more more advertising for them. So um, every little helps though, Meadows. Every yeah. little help. But uh it was good fun. It was just outrageous. Like that was the point where um I said to Jess, I was like, they must find <clears throat> it hard to find other people to race against her at their level. Like he's like an A plus rated driver. He's like four seconds a lap quicker than us. And there was a good group of us that were racing closely and having fun. And we're all rated sort of like B level, which is fairly high, but obviously not the best of the best by any stretch. And yeah, it, different category. So he joins our lobby and there's no one anywhere near like the standard he can drive at. And he's not actually getting tested at all. So uh, these damn, they have it so tough, these racing drivers, you know? <laughs> but um. Yeah, that's I mean that's yeah. them racing now. Let's get them in real things. Sorry, I de I uh, detoured to drop a name. No, sorry. I mean I I detoured earlier to plug something. <laughs> You've plugged Gran Turismo. So now, La <laughs> Lawrence, anything you want to? I've got spend, I've got nothing. Spend to... too long talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing to plug this week. So. Uh, oh, okay. Well, uh, just just bank it. I'll have the that bank as and... a carryover for later in the series. Yeah, and you can kind of play it like a trump card. You know, just like drop it on the table, and then boom. <laughs> um the other talking about still talking about drivers in other series the other thing that i'm excited about is montoya doing indie yes yeah that'll be mega because it's uh, hard not to love everything like when montoya does anything you're like that's cool i know he's just he's just that guy isn't he i am um, so i've only ever been to one nascar race i went to the texas major speedway um i don't know 2008 2009 um and so i into i remember interviewing Montoya then I don't think he'd been there for very long uh, by that point um been over in the states and I just remember thinking how excited he was just to be there like and how he loved it was much more his scene he was much more relaxed we did like an interview in a truck and he was just sat on the side of a uh, on like one of those mechanic table things and you would never get that in Formula One it would everything would be so much more organized and I just remember thinking I oh, no wonder you've left Formula One for this because this is like very much more your style and he had like a motome in the middle of the circuit and he was talking about what he's going to have on his barbecue that night and it's just it's like a different it's a different life so um even if you don't make it in Formula One maybe and you wanted to you wanted to win a world championship there doesn't mean that you can't be happy in another category somewhere else and and um even if you didn't realise that perhaps at the time. So I'm super excited that he's back 
Yeah, yeah. I think we spoke about it last week, but Montoya is definitely like he could have won a world championship in F1. And so that's, I think, why whenever he does anything, it's kind of, you know, he's going to like bring bring the max to it. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm also now looking because you've mentioned it. I'm looking at how he got on at Texas. I've got his results up. Um, when did you go, Brett? Was it like start of the year or end of the year? It was April time. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is the better time for him because I was just looking at the end of the year results and he wasn't even in the top 20. Yeah, one eighteenth. Um, but yeah, they so they go, they went twice. So did he finish, what did you say, 2008 maybe? Eighth, yeah. He finished seventh in the race. I mean, I can't remember. It was Come 12, on, 13 years, it was 13 yeah, years ago. <laughs> I can't oh, that was 2009, I'm sorry. 20, 19th in 2008. So, uh, uh, 2008. But yeah, no, was... I'm wrong. It was 2009. No, it was 2009 when I went. <clears throat> seventh then. Yeah. So um, he actually, from my memory, got quite good. Yeah. At NASCAR, like, yeah. um, he had a period of two or three years where he was, he would make the chase, like, so my limited NASCAR knowledge here, but I'm pretty sure he would make it to the chase, right? That's a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyone listening from the UK, they're like, no, that's a game, that's a game show. <laughs> How did he make the chase? Um, but yeah, you are, you are, you are right on that. With the NASCAR one. Yeah, he was, so he finished ninth overall. Um, in 2009, in the year you went. And you're right, Chase for the Sprint Cup, uh, 2009. Uh, he took pole in the first race of the chase and finished third. And then finished fourth after that. So yeah, he was in it. He was probably in it. Um, top three, top four for most of the races. Good, good on him. Um, yeah, he, he had a he had a good run at it. I, I like, I'm with you, I like Montoya. I think that's very cool. I also like Texas Motor Speedway because that's the one that all three of us have been to to watch a NASCAR race. Ah, yeah. well, well done, that team. Was, that was awesome. Mm. Um, and the, the great thing with that was we, we went and stood right by the, like at the bottom of the uh, the grandstand, right by the wall, and you feel it when the cars come past you, you feel it. Like, it, you know, they're, they're, the, the force of them just kind of pushes you back. It was great. Yeah. Um, it was quite funny, wasn't it? Like, you know, English people definitely stand out at a NASCAR race when, when you're talking about when you're talking about racing. You can hear our like kind of our accents like over all of the, the NASCAR fans there. I really enjoyed that. It did feel like we were watching something like, you know, that wasn't something we'd see all the time. So that was good fun. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get back there soon. Whenever one of the Formula One drivers takes our advice and goes and does it. Yeah. Who am I going to? I'm going to try and guess. Who is most likely on the current grid? This is just to sign off because I know we're running out of time. Who do you reckon is the most likely of the current grid to start a NASCAR race in the future? Ricardo. Yeah, I would I would say him or Kimmy. Oh, um, Kimmy. Yeah, that's a good shout. Because I think Kimmy, you know, when he's done with F1, he might say, oh, I'll go and do, I'll go and do another NASCAR race. I know Ricardo wants to do one and he's talked about wanting to do one for a long time. Um, I don't know actually who else. Like, like, I always thought with with Alonso, he was doing so many things. Like, would he at one point be like, you know what, I'll give I'll give this a try, you know, to keep his whole thing about being the most complete driver in the world going. But he might have two years left in F one, um, at least. Yeah. So. so, well, I went to Bahrain when he did that Jimmy Johnson crossover thing. It was really cool that McLaren put on, um, and he drove the NASCAR then. And I don't think he particularly enjoyed it, but that was on a road course, so um, it was just really hard to get the power down and stuff. You could see him like getting almost frustrated with it. But um, yeah, maybe Alonso will go back and do it. I'm, I'm just trying to see if I can give a different answer, but I think you guys might be about right there. 
Maybe maybe Max when his F1 career ends. I'd be interested to see if he goes and races other stuff like that. Maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Max then just to be different. Nice. It's a good mix. I mean, any of those guys doing it would be pretty awesome. It, it would. We can get other people, if there's anyone left listening to our ramblings, <laughs> um, to give us a shout out who they want to see and what they want to see them do. Any of the current grid. They're all listening to my Dale Earnhardt podcast while playing Gran Turismo at this point, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're long gone. There's enough time in lockdown to do all three things, actually. To play Gran True. Turismo, to listen to the that other podcast, and to listen to our podcast called The Padhock. Um, and this seems like a good point in which I can now plug our own podcast and end plug this Hawk. episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we like to have fun on this show, don't we? <laughs> And oh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. You were, you, <laughs> you were trying to wrap it up because you knew you were about to lose it. That's why you were trying to wrap it up so quick. More short, sharp, current, and whatever punchy. it was. Punchy. 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 <laughs> I look forward to your new Twitter bio. Like, so do I. Really. I'm going to say that I have been described as, you know, <laughs> and then that. <laughs> Um, thanks so much chaps as ever it's been an absolute pleasure and thanks to anyone who is still listening um, please remember to hit subscribe and follow us on our social channels thanks to Chris you can read his work on Mesa.com you can read Nate's work on ESPN.com and you can read my work on F1.com we will do this again soon and probably not talk about other podcasts or other games or other sponsors unless anyone wants to offer a sponsorship deal until next time <laughs> bye 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 Podcast Network.